0: Covid changed the world. Lots of people have said that, but the world was already changing anyway. And perhaps it's just accelerated that change from a consumer engagement and the way that people choose, select and buy their cars. Auto retail have uh, spent time looking at the issue. Some perhaps used to call it marketing, Uh, maybe today we should call it winning and retaining customers. Well, indeed, that's the subject of the latest report from uh, Auto Retail, which is now available. And we are talking about this topic uh, in two webinars. So there are two parts to this, um, such as the complexity and the range of the topic. Uh, In our webinar today, we'll be focusing uh, on issues such as consumer behavior, uh, looking at the process and technology around marketing, uh, and then all the all-important sales and attributes. Uh, and that is the focus for our 40 minutes uh, this afternoon and then in the second webinar to follow uh, later we will be talking more around brand advertising internet presence and some of the elements beyond automotive so lots to talk about uh, your comments and questions are more than welcome please do feel free to type them in they come through here to uh, Tristan Young our editorial director who will feed them through to us on the webinar So without more ado, we have 40 minutes ahead of us. Uh, Let's take a look at the issue with our guests this afternoon. We have Philip Deacon, who is head of marketing for Marshall Motor Group, Sam Luscombe, head of innovation at Luscombe Motors, uh, Ian Godbold, marketing director from Cambria and Phil Jones, head of eBay Motors Group, who are our sponsors this afternoon and have worked with auto retail uh, on this report. Uh, perhaps, Phil, it would be interesting to start with you because uh, reading through this report, interesting, one word which comes out loud and clear all the time is omnichannel um, and it's one of those words that can mean many things to many people. So perhaps do you want to just start with your understanding of when we're talking about omni-channel and a single customer experience, what you mean by that?
1: Yeah, I guess um, think of it from the consumer's point of view which is the consumer will want to engage with a with a dealer in multiple different ways. And so most of us will start searching for a car online. That's how, how most of us go. And most of us might end up in a physical dealership to, to pick up the car. And the reality is the buying process between there is, 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 is very fluid. And, you know, there's the ability to stay completely online. There's the ability to go online and then come offline and then go back online and, I think the challenge for our industry, which is built up on kind of very sort of linear sales processes, is being able to recognize the customer need and, and be agile and flexible with that. So starting from the customer. OK, well, we've got, in, in a way, three different perhaps views of uh,
0: retailing and working with the customer. I'm going to come to you first, Philip. Obviously, Marshall Motor Group, one of the one biggies, of the biggies. Um, in the UK. Omnichannel for you, I guess, has a meaning across different brands, different retailers, um, and perhaps might expect you to be at the forefront of, of integrating on and offline experiences.
2: Oh, good afternoon, everybody. Thanks, Al. Um, yes, it, it, it does vary from brand to brand very much because they're all at different um, parts of their customer journey. And each of the brands sometimes have different touch points that they try to get involved with um, or leave it to us on our own, um, but yeah, we for omni-channel, we, we really have tried to capitalise on our infrastructure of our our dealerships, our physical dealerships, and drive traffic there. And obviously, our omni-channel marketing has has capitalised this post or during COVID to drive um, more touchpoints. And also, ultimately, um, drive more sales into our sites.
0: So, what does that look like in terms of systems that you're using? Um, so, I, as a consumer, you know, maybe go on a manufacturer website and look up a vehicle, or I may go to your website, or I may see you on social media. What, what systems are you using to bring all this together so you can manage uh, the customer experience?
2: There are very there are lots of systems, um, and some work in conflict. Um, we, we have our own systems that that is central to lots of our information and data gathering, which is a, a system called Phoenix. Um, that's, that's our system. And that looks at everything from my perspective, attribution, but also the performance of all of our sites. Um, but when it comes to marketing, there is a wonderful array of different systems that, um, Every manufacturer has its own idea and timeline of where they are. Um, we have seen a lot shortening of those systems in terms of the integration, but it's trying to get that. I know it's well spoken about this single customer view. Um, when we try to do that, it's very easy within one brand. But when we try and look at it across multiple brands, it's very, very challenging because of those different touch points might be using more complex systems that we can use the data to um, make those key business decisions. So it's, it is a very, very difficult, but we use, um, we use an inquiry management system consistent across all of our um, rooftops. Um, and then um, we've got this central um, Phoenix system which helps us with attribution modeling.
0: We'll come back and talk, perhaps, we'll talk certainly talk about attribution um, uh, later, Philip. Stay there, Sam. <laughs> A different scale of business, um, obviously uh, family business, uh, focusing on Suzuki, MG. Um, w- what, what systems are you using uh, in terms of managing your interaction with customers?
3: Uh, <clears throat> we aim to keep it as simple as possible, which... Simplicity in a very complex world is not is not easy. Um, so I guess what we're what we're trying to do from a marketing perspective is we don't have a, a, a standalone marketing department. We don't have standalone marketing people. We try and get our salespeople to, to, to market our product and market our proposition from the day they sort of walk in and the day that the car is advertised right from the very start of that process. Now, in terms of systems, it, it doesn't reduce the reliance on systems to a, to a full extent, but it just means that a, a, a salesman is in, in control of that process, no matter where that lead source is. I imagine that in some some of the bigger groups, you've got a, a, a telephone team, a digital team, an in-person team. Our salespeople are very much um, from, from the ground up doing it all themselves. And from a, from a systems point of view, that means that we can just about, and with the, the relatively limited two franchise partners that we work with, just deal with a, an inquiry management system, which, which tracks the user, tracks the, um, the customer through that entire journey. And then that then flicks over into a, a CRM process, uh, post sale. So in terms of, I'm fully aware from, from my background in marketing that that change is coming, but unfortunately, well, fortunately for us at the stage that we're at, we can manage it on a, on a reasonable scale. Um, with an eye very keenly on on where we need to get to as opposed to throwing systems at it as such let's thanks
0: sam let's turn to ian um ian has been probably one of the if i say it a digital pioneer Uh, and recall we've been having conversations for probably more than 10 years um and 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 you've always been sort of at the forefront of marketing development so you've spent time looking and learning at systems so i'm being nice to you to say therefore i expect you to have sorted this out and worked out which are the best systems what are they
4: and you're on Um, we're using a a system called engagement pro and and that really tracks first of all the behavior of the consumer on the website before they raise their hand before they put that lead in uh, and uh, we do that through uh, post through, uh, through the consumer giving up their, their postcode details so what we're able to see if, if a consumer is researching online then they come into the dealership we can put the postcode in and they're able to see what the consumer has been searching and if they've been using finance tools etc cetera, etc cetera. But, but what what we did build was a, what we call an open source platform which meant every single email, Came into our business, and then we passed that onto our CRM system, and we used um, DNI dynamic number inclusion. That's where we're able to track the consumer that comes to our website and where they've actually made the telephone call from. So that way, all the data is then pumped into that that one piece of software. Because anywhere that you have to, you have to rely on a human being inputting data is fraught with danger and i totally agree uh, that its simplicity has got to be the easiest way forward and when we built this system the number one thing that we, we kept on asking was is it going to make it easier to sell cars and if it didn't we didn't add any further uh, functionality to the software
0: and what what have you learned as you've gone through and evolved that technology what are the what are the key yeah. learning points being because everybody's at a different stage and and people watching this afternoon some will
4: be right at the cutting edge and wow. some further back so so your experiences will help we absolutely, you, you, you never stop learning. I mean, there, there, there's so much that we do find that the way the consumers come through our websites, the way the consumers search for a particular type of car can be different. What, what we have learned is uh, our call to actions, our CTAs can be very different towards where we sell a volume uh, vehicle to a HLS segment vehicle. And we're forever testing A, B testing. And it's, uh, it's, it's, there's a lot of work that we've done on that in changing our vehicle detail pages. In line on with with uh, with HLS, so our, lux- our luxury vehicle brands versus our volume brands, they're they they're very different. If you if you look at the way that uh, we positioned uh, our call to actions on there, so we're, we're forever learning from that same tool gives us, which I know we'll speak about later on, is attribution side, but it allows us to make those all-informed decisions of where, where we're going to spend our money and what marketing channels we're going to spend the money with always the, the 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 billion dollar question isn't it
0: the old adage of you know um half my money on marketing is wasted if i only knew which which half um that i then i'd save a whole a whole load more phil um let me come back to you obviously you know you're a platform across an, a, a range of different brands providing visibility for people to to buy cars what wow. have you seen in terms of consumer behavior change because it's it's inevitable that sales online have happened because you couldn't physically get in the showroom. But are, are we all going to be online or is the what's the split going to look like?
1: I think one of the biggest changes kind of coming out of Covid was um, people were more likely to generate a lead, picking up the phone and sending an email than just walking in to the dealership. So as, as an online kind of advertising platform, walk-ins were a nightmare for us because people engage in our website and then they walk in and kind of, it's very hard to actually what they did on the website with what they're doing in, in person. And that comes from the consumer need because people are uncertain. People want that certainty. They want to know that if they go there, the car's going to be there. They want to know that they're going to have a, a, an appointment and be seen. They want to know that it's going to be, um, to, to be safe. So I think one of the challenges with when everyone talks about buying online is that how the consumer perceives that is probably not the way that we do as an industry. Because consumers do a lot of the stuff online and increasingly want to do more of it online, but they probably, in as the majority, are nervous about doing every single thing online. So when we ask kind of consumers questions, you often get a look, I feel quite uncomfortable buying a car online. And then you might ask another question: say, if you bought a car online, would you expect to go to the dealership? And they go, well, yes. And you know, those things are inevitably in in conflict so i think it's i think consumers just need that little bit more reassurance online's brilliant because it's given people more tools more things they can kind of do to to, to engage but ultimately and sam probably kind of touched on this ultimately at the end there's a there's a consumer who just needs the hand holding and you need to find the easiest way to kind of get them through the process in the way that they want to
0: you're watching the Auto Retail Live webinar: Winning and Retaining Customers. Uh, comments and questions. Uh, you're more than welcome to share them, send them through, uh, and we'll discuss some uh, with the panel. Phil Philip Deakin from uh, Marshall. The the the, 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 world, <laughs> the world has changed, changed but what's actually changed, changed from what, what you've, you've seen uh, with, uh, with the customer, the customer journey. journey? How has that, that really, really changed the sharpen sharp across your, your brand? brand?
2: Okay, um, well. Ultimately, when we were in lockdown, um, there was only one place to go, so that was really online. Our physical um, stores were closed. Um, we see, we saw a big uplift in um, communication channels. People, it was less about the technology. I know, I know you see lots, lots of um, information online that you should have a digital-first approach to marketing. Um, particularly with the changes that we've seen due to the pandemic. But what we like to do is is call it a customer-first approach. Um, we, we saw a huge change of our live chat channels. Um, we saw a big shift to um, Facebook Messenger. And as that moved through the different phases of um, the easing of lockdown um, restrictions and through the different waves that we saw... Um, People continue to use those tools um, to get in touch with us. They felt comfortable. They felt that they could get the answers. So we've not seen a huge um, drop off in the adoption of those digital tools. In, in fact, um, we've done some analysis regarding our reserve online feature um, from Janu- January to the 12th of April um, with we've seen an uplift of around about 80% more um, reservations since we've been opened um you you would think that we would see a drop off but people are familiar with those tools we're just giving those consumers what that what they want um trust transparency and and i think Sam mentioned it it's the ease of doing business with us so um it has it has forged a number of a number of learnings and we should continue to give them the ease of the tools um, online to make that transaction, um, you know, a, a, an easier easier approach from from the buying perspective. You mentioned,
0: you mentioned, a, couple mentioned a couple of a couple platforms platform though, like Facebook, Facebook, Facebook Messenger, Messenger and, 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 and the way that customers, customers, customers are choosing to interact. to interact, all revolves around data. Uh, how then do you make sure that that data is then consistent? Uh, we heard Ian and, and Sam uh, thoughts on that, but how do you make that work in, in your organization?
2: It is a difficult one because uh, there's I, know, I think Ian spoke about the understanding the, the customer journey online. Unless they raise their hands, they're largely an anonymous um, anonymous visitor. Um, with Facebook, we can continue to keep that journey um, and reignite those conversations. Um, that's always been very successful. Our conversion for live chats, has been very successful and that's all fed into our, um, dealer management. So all the transcripts, um, and, and then when it comes into the customer record, we can see which touch points they've made, whether it be, um, Facebook or live chat, a physical visit, or any of the the other marketing that we've been deployed, we've deployed. Um, there's, there's been lots of training, um, since, since all of our sales execs returned from furlough after the first lockdown um, with telephone handling skills, but also um, how to use the data and the importance of um, brilliant data capture, because with that data, we can um, drive more contacts and um, ultimately um, try and influence the sale.
0: Sam, you, Sam, you, you, you talked about a, more, a, a streamlined uh, yeah, uh, approach, approach there in terms there. Of, of keeping um, the conversation flowing. Does, 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 does that work for you or do you have to re-key information that's coming from different sources to create one record
3: as you move forward? <clears throat> there is an element of that, unfortunately, um, and I think there will be. Obviously, as I think the guys have mentioned, the I think Ian definitely mentioned it. You've got to try and take the human away from that to get accurate data because rekeying is is your, always your, your opportunity to get, get stuff wrong. Unfortunately, we haven't found a solution to, to beat that yet. Um, and from where our brand is at, and it's only a small brand, a local brand, but it's quite a strong brand. And actually, the human side of it for us is far more important than the automation and the automated side of it. I completely appreciate that at the size of the... The business as as Philip or Ian's, then you haven't really got that flexibility. But but we have, and um, the point made about sort of when customers put their hand up and choose to interact with you, well, we've actually taken a bit of decision to to try and do to give the customer far far more, so that when they do put their hand up and they do come to us, that is a far far more qualified lead who's ready to buy as opposed to asking questions that don't necessarily need to be asked. If we just give all the content they could possibly need, one that either builds the brand enough so that they're comfortable to, to, to sort of consider us a bit more without going any further down the process, without needing any human intervention, or two, they um, they come to us and, and are ready to buy. So um, uh, keying in and, and data management at the scale we're at is difficult. But fortunately, and this is fortunate, we're not at the scale where it becomes insurmountable. But we do also do it in a way that maintains that customer um, human interaction, if you like.
0: One of the things Philip talked about, there was training, the, the, the culture, the taking people on board. I guess you have the, the, the benefit of being a smaller business, more, more intimate. Are you investing similar amounts of time and, and effort in
3: taking people on that journey? Absolutely. I mentioned it in my previous point around not having different teams. So a salesman who works for Luscombe Motors is not a salesman uh, that you typically expect. Um, rewind a few years and the salesman expected just to to convert what's in front of him. We very much now get them involved in, in driving the lead. They take much more ownership of the whole process from advertising the cars to doing the, the presentation videos all and yeah, they won't always get the the benefit of it themselves. If they've done all the work to to drive that lead with some excellent content on the website, they've written a great description. They've done a great walk around video. The idea is that with a small team, everybody sees the benefit Um, and that has created a massive amount of uh, challenges in in training. We've had to get everybody far, far better uh, at written communication. It's one thing that a salesman was always really, really good. Uh, looking into somebody's eyes and the sales craft that was there in front of somebody to transfer that into digital sales craft as, a, as I call it to to understand the cues from someone's um, tone in an email or and understand those different whether an email comes from a, a, on a brochure request whether it comes on a, a finance inquiry there's there's very very different levels of, of intent in that that you've got to answer differently so um, and we, we've done lots of training around confidence on video because we want to still remain a people business. This thing's going online and everything is going online. At the end of the day, so a human buys from a human. And if they can see that human connection, um, all right, it's through a computer screen, not face to face, but that is, is mega important.
0: You're watching auto retail live. We're looking at the latest report winning and retaining customers uh, in an always on world, and as you've joined us for the webinar this afternoon, you can actually have access to uh, the executive summary um, of this report. So uh, please feel free to take advantage of that, which you'll see in the resources panel uh, in front of you on the screen. Uh, We will have part two uh, of the webinar in the coming weeks when we'll be looking more around the issue of, of brand uh, brand advertising uh, and immersion. Ian Gobble from Cambria, let's, let's just return to the issue of automation. Um, Philip and Sam, they're very clear about the role of automation, uh, but the need for the human skills to deliver it. How far can automation go in this process? Do, do, do we have yet The complete end to end automation where I go onto a manufacturer's um, uh, configurator and I walk into a Cambria dealership and, and the salesperson there knows straight away without me having to
4: explain I wanted a blue one with with leather seats. I don't think we're far off from that, Al. I think that the, the first point I'd, I'd make is the, the automation that I was referring to earlier is the automation of, of the leads getting onto the system. I think that, that that's the critical point there because, I mean, if, if a lead comes into business and then you've got to key it in, that's where you're exposed. Regarding automation on, on, on the sales process, and, and the consumer buying online well we, we know that's there now we can see other re- retailers doing that and that that will per- potentially co- continue to grow i think where we, we need to get to though is is that it's it's not fragmented between a consumer looking online and completing as much as they can online and then visiting the dealership i think that's the that's the key key point and and where consumers come frustrated is where they've done their 11 or 14 hours research they've done they've filled in you know 50 percent of their finance they've done everything they need need and then walk into the dealership and then a sales associate will then start the process from step one no, no one wants that that you know we, if a consumer walks in they want to be uh, uh, down the line that yeah i'm halfway through from my finance there's my finance board these are the cars i've looked at and the, we want the sales associate to know that they can take over and then really give them a a, a great position of passing the button from offline to to online you just give them a great world-class experience because you know if you're walking in and you're starting from step one it's, it's just a massive turn off for the consumer and and how close are we to, to having that perfect solution now i, I think i think we're
0: very close
4: i think there are uh, there, there are probably some retailers that claim that's there now uh, um we, we're not there yet but i don't think we're we, we're, we're far off but i think uh, i think it's moving towards that way but it's always going to be I, I i think you're always from my side and from our business side we're always going to want that consumer to visit our dealerships and have that hand over and just have that experience as the brands you know that they, that they, they particularly want that that you've got that great experience and then the introduction to service etc etc
0: one thing that that's come out a number of times um, in conversations like this in previous webinars is speed and speed of response. Um, Philip, how how important is, is that if you consider all the other factors of having a great experience, of having uh, the ability to know what the customer wants versus just frankly responding quickly?
2: Yeah, mega, mega important. I think the consumer um, demands have of, of challenged us to improve our business and, and our level of response. We there are a number of systems which which the retailers have used and then the manufacturers have, have then mandated it. They've seen it as a great idea. So there's systems that we use called ITrack, Rapid Response, React through DealerWeb. There's lots of different systems and that's all about delighting the customer um quickly and moving leads that we would probably traditionally respond within the hour that was considered good to now um under 10 minutes and actually i think there's some businesses and some um narrators out there who who say you know you'll you'll you need to do that within a within a minute you know we we, we try and do that across all of our platforms um, particularly live chat they're always there 24 um, 7 the answer time is literally a couple of seconds um, even Facebook um, we've got that coverage um, pretty much from around about 7 till 11 o'clock in the evening and the consumer demands um, and you know Sam's Sam's point we keep coming back to Sam's point it's about that it is about the customer less about the technology and um, we use technology to make it easier and that response, the response software has made it more professional for us to manage. Um, and the consumer ultimately gets a better experience because um, we we as marketeers and groups and brands can get involved in that. Um, but again, always training, do a lot of telephone training. I think there's, there's always a place for, even in an online world, um, the move, there's always... Um, place for humans, and um, you know, making sure that the sales process, as Ian mentioned, um, is fit fit for business as it is today. You know, taking a customer back to stage one and sitting them down while well, they've already do, done all of that research. We need to be adaptable. That our sales process is in place to um, see the signals, the buying signals, and pick pick up where they want to go, not where our very tight sales process compliance sometimes has a uh, a say about that because compliance is obviously um one of our most important factors
0: phil uh, can you share any thoughts or insight um in terms of that speed of response uh, across multiple brands you, you are with an ebay motors group is there a, a, a does that echo the fact that people have no patience and if they don't hear quickly right. they're gone
1: Yeah. The the number one complaint we get from consumers on motors.co.uk is that dealers haven't been responding to the lead. You know, technically it's not something we can really do something about, but it just shows you that's the frustrating thing. And, you know, we, we live in a world where we expect, you know, an instant reply, even today, you know, we've been talking about this kind of for as long as I've been in the industry, 25% of telephone calls that are generated from our websites are missed. And then you drill down further because yeah, people will call back a third of those um, customers have missed a call they are never successful in getting through to the dealer. And all the money that people spend in kind of tools to kind of acquire customers, it's just lost. And in fact, it's probably a negative um, impact on the brand. And it's really hard, right? Because it's only there to be lost. So, you know, as as Marshalls, Canberra and kind of Luskins will do like, you've got to answer quickly because that is the consumer expectation. And in the time that you think might be reasonable to respond, the consumers moved on to someone else who has probably already answered the, the lead. Stay with us,
0: Phil, that, Phil actually, because the, one of the points that Ian made earlier was about, you know, getting value for money and knowing where to spend your money. Let, let's wander into attribution. And, and, and I guess attribution is probably close to your heart as a business um, in, in terms of measuring the money spent. So just give us a, a, a word on how we should consider attribution, what attribution really means and why it's important.
1: I mean, ultimately attribution is about being able to tie your marketing spend with a consumer outcome. So you know what your marketing spend um, is doing and it's fundamental, right? To, to business, you know, you need to make sure that the stuff you're kind of buying, you know, supplies, customers, you're going to make a profit on. So are you buying it um, effectively? And you know, the the sort of the old adage of, you know, 50% of my marketing budget is wasted. It's kind of not good enough anymore. Um, we have to be smarter than that, and it'll never probably be a hundred percent. But you know, every every data point allows you to triangulate and get and get closer, and it's really really important. And and you, do you find within your business that people are more and more interested
0: in it? Is it a is it a point of sale that people were well? If I can't work that out, I'm not interested. Is is it that critical to the business? They pay attention to it.
1: Yeah, I think absolutely. I mean, the evolution we're going on from as classifieds is in the past we always talked about leads. We should be talking about sales. We always talk about leads as a proxy for sales. Like ultimately, what we're trying to drive is a sale, not just people kind of busying the contact center. And I think that is a subtle change, but focusing on sales is the right behavior that will mean that you know we're taking the right actions on our website to make sure we hand them over to um, to dealers in the right form, which might be a telephone call, an email. Sometimes it's web traffic, sometimes it's live chat. We need to be flexible as well to take it um, through that rather than just saying, oh, we generated you 100 telephone calls.
0: There are a number of ways that you can um, attribute the the lead. And indeed, in the in the report here, there's some there's some interesting ways which you can describe the point at which the lead became commercial. Ian, uh, how much attention do you pay and and how do you assign um, a lead into a sale in your business?
4: Is it a KPI? uh i mean first of all uh, the 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 key kpi is that you know from a marketing department that we we get we focus on is is uh, first of all how many units have we sold so phil you're absolutely right well how many units have we sold what is that cost per sale and what is the quality of the transaction? So what's the margin being involved in in that sale? And and, and they're, they're the top lines that they, you know that our board wanna see. From a marketeer, what I'm interested in is the lead, cost per lead. Everything we do, whether I buy traffic or wherever, it'll always revert back to what well, what is that cost per lead? How many do it leads? Do I need to generate from that channel to get to a sale? How much traffic do I need to buy from that channel to get to a lead and get to a sale? And we're very very close to this now, in, in, in monitoring this, and and you know actually COVID, uh, uh, what has what has happened. We've moved away from the how many VDPs or how many full page adverts there are and the people just walking in because you might have said they couldn't just walk in. They had to pick up the telephone. They had to live chat. They had to email. They had to, they had to contact us and they had to make an appointment. So what we've seen is the classified leads have gone you know, sky high. And you'll see in the report that they're quoting that the, the, the leads have gone higher. Absolutely. And that's been great for us. But it's also been great for our dealers because... If I sit down with one of my dealers and talk about VDP views and full page advert views, they're really not that interested. It's a marketeer's KPR. What their interest is, how many leads am I getting from this channel? What is the quality of leads? lead? You know, am I going to turn this into a sale? And we we, we look at this all the time. We'll look at our traffic. We look at our leads coming in daily, our traffic weekly, and then at the end of the month, we'll look at what that cost per lead is. We can then plug the sales back into our tool engagement, pro, And then that comes back and says where that sale, where that sales come from. Um, we have, I won't even call it attribution, but it is a sort of second phase attribution, the fact that we have we know where the lead has come from, but if it's come onto our website, we'll know through using the, the Google UTM tags, we'll know that that piece of traffic has come from a third party classified, Onto our, onto our site and then a telephone call has been generated or an email being generated. So we, what we do is we do a second phase attribution so, okay, we've got to allocate that across to that marketing channel also. But that's only sec, that's only second phase. And if, if I may, we, we did run with a piece of software going back 18 months ago, uh, a company, uh, uh, a French company called Wizzly, uh, and they're based in Seattle and in, in the US. And it was very complicated and it, too time consuming and going cost a lot of money. But what it allowed us to do in the trial that we had, it allowed us to identify assisted clicks. And if there's a marketing channels out there where we looked and thought, actually, that's not generating a great deal of leads for us. What we see was the assisted clicks coming to our site. It was worth keeping. And it's, we've done a whole host of work on this and trying to understand what is, what is our best, best return best return investment. So, yeah, we're, 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 we're very close to this. Sam,
0: how much, how much time and effort do you put into it in, in terms of saying, right, we know that that came from there, therefore that's worth the spend?
3: Um, <clears throat> at the end of the day, it comes down to uh, all attribution is is generating insight. And then can you turn that insight into action? And is it the right action? And, I mean, I've, I've worked in... pre Before I joined the industry, I was working in digital marketing agencies in London, spending silly amounts of money where you need to know exactly when you're making decisions on that sort of level of spend, you need to know what you're getting for it. Where I am now, can I turn that insight into action? And is it the right action? If I could, and I'd have to spend some money on doing it? Is it going to give me the right action? I is the data that's telling me statistically significant? Have I got enough to go on there to say, Yeah, I fully believe in that and it's going to be right. Um, So we actually dull it right back down to sort of to an extent if if we're selling our marketing's working if we're not we sort of need to change it up a little bit and that, that's not based on the fact that we don't know how to attribute properly um it's the the systems in place like uh, ian said we've got utm tracking on uh, google adwords we can see i check once a week not really once a day like i would do before as to what the sources of traffic are <clears throat> how well they're converting how well they're converting because like you say unless you have that fully joined up end to end system, you could be driving a load of low quality leads into one channel and um, high quality into another. And you'd, it's difficult to tell really. So actually, our, our, especially given the current situation, previously through lockdown, and now through both new and used car shortages, actually, we're putting less of our marketing budget into paid traffic, we don't necessarily want more traffic to our website, we want a higher profit per unit on the cars we do have and a higher conversion rate of the cars that we of the users we have on site. So that means doing far more work and far more investment into the our web experience to make sure that when somebody does come to contact us, one, they've got no reason whatsoever to try and negotiate on price because we've done the work, we've done everything that could could, could break down those conversations. And, um, you get a higher conversion rate because they're, they're they're ready to go. So that's sort of been where we're at. It's it's definitely a known a known thing. But for for the businesses the size of Philips and Ian's, absolutely. For single multi-site owner drivers, probably not.
0: You're watching Auto Retail Live. Uh, winning and retaining customers in an always-on world. Uh, Phil, I'm going to come to you, for this. there's a question from Matthew Warner. Um Good afternoon, Matthew. Thanks for your, your comment. Um, asking about the subject of advertising, saying, do you think consumers are getting skilled at avoiding traditional above-the-line marketing campaigns? When you've got, you know, on-demand stream, telly, print circulation struggling, um, is is advertising becoming? sort of a noise, a barrier in some ways to consumers.
1: I think it is definitely becoming noisier. Um, And, you know, you look at traditional forms of media are kind of getting kind of, you know, less engagement. Younger people watch less linear TV. Um, And unfortunately, that probably just makes it more complicated because you need to be aware of which audience you want to reach and the most cost-effective way um, of reaching that audience. Um, And... Ultimately, that, that means you need to invest. It. At the scale you're kind of looking at, it means you need to look at the attribution and make sure it works for you. Um, and I guess, you know, we certainly have learnings from this in the past that if you don't think you're going to cut through in a noisy market, there probably comes a point at which you, should you even bother, um, in which you, in which case you need to kind of then step through the other channels um, that are there. But yeah, it's not so much ineffective, it's just noisy and you need to, be smart and you know and stand out from the ground
0: thanks phil um philip deacon and marshall question how large a size of business could you be and still keep things as simple as luscombe i know obviously you know you're a big business but think about the scale what what would you say philip
2: Sorry, could you repeat that please?
0: Yeah, the, the, question, the question was around, was around scale, scale and, and, and and we we have heard Sam talking about managing the business in a certain way and and the question we've got here is how how large a business do you think you could be and still manage it in that in that kind of scale.
2: We we've made significant investment in our own um, BI systems and and um I know Phil um, in the motors team have been on the back end of that attribution modeling um again we've been uh, measuring the cost per inquiry the cost per sale and also the 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 profit um and we've been able to um, make informed business decisions whether that channel or that portal is giving us the yield we want Um, i also agree with sam with in some instances, we've um, reduced our marketing spend. We're certainly not back up to pre-lockdown, um, but in some areas, we've we've increased more heavily as their yield has become um, more effective. I think I think there is a challenge um, as we exponentially increase. Have we got to be more adaptable? Um, there is obviously consolidation of systems happening as different partners are buying other suppliers that's certainly assisting us Um, and I think ultimately like lots of the big groups they're building their own systems bespoke um, because the systems out there are not um, giving them the full attribution or the full measurement of all these customer touch points because they don't just happen on our website um, they're happening at different stages of the consumer journey, and in, and they're happening in different different platforms. So it's going to be a continual challenge, um, and and we've been increasing the amount of software developers to assist us on that on that journey, um, and we've got steering committees of how we can improve that um, customer journey and att- attribution. So it is scalable, um, but again, it, it, it's not without um, risk or challenges.
3: And just to, just to jump in, I'd, I'd love to know the answer to that question as well, because that that determines how far we can go before these systems have to come in. Um, but at that stage, it's very, very, very difficult to know. Um, until there is that that one system, and like we, we could never put in the sort of build-your-own system that would need to do that from end to end. And when you're buying off the shelf and in one system can't talk to another system, you end up with all sorts of challenges. You're paying a lot of money to loads of different suppliers. And uh, does it get you where you need to be? We'll see. We've just got time to
0: squeeze a couple more in before the halftime whistle. Um, Excuse the football analogy. Uh, David Steyer, I'm going to throw this to you, Ian. Um, Do any of the panel differentiate their sales team's Processes for EVs. So, is there any differentiation um, you're seeing, Ian, uh, between uh, something that has an exhaust pipe and something that doesn't?
4: Uh, that's a very, very good question. Not, not at
0: this, not at this point, we're not. I'm looking across the rest of the panel. I'm not seeing any changes. Anybody? Are you all doing the same? We
2: um, no.
3: We do not formally, but we do mix it up slightly just based on where we need to be. And for a lot of the EV owners or prospective EV owners, the place they do their research is in forums, in groups, in communities. Um, So we have an active presence within that, Um, not necessarily from a marketing standpoint, but certainly from our, again, as I mentioned, our salespeople are a, a catch all. So we have presence in those groups to be where the customers are. Um, and that's something that we noticed through MG electric cars, and I think it's it probably it speaks true for the rest of the EV segment, I'd imagine.
0: Uh, wrap up question. I'm going to come to you, Phil. Um, this is from Gareth Arnold. Gareth, thank you for your, uh, getting in touch and your question. Um, why do you think the automotive sector is behind the curve in digital adoption and sales processes compared to other industries?
1: I spend a lot of time worrying about that. Um, I actually think that it comes from the fact that it's, it's fundamentally kind of quite a low margin, but high sort of fast moving industry. So I think in every given month, there's always the need to hit a target. Always, always that kind of need. And, you know, rewind two or three years ago, everyone knew that kind of omnichannel and the, you know, online retail were going to be there. Everyone knew it, but was that the month to invest? And I think what COVID did, and it was, I think it brought out the best of our industry, right, because it showed that agility and flexibility that we actually have kind of, you know, in chasing down targets, all that kind of um, energy and intellect was kind of channeled into finding a way of kind of operating through this, whether people had systems or not, the people adjusted and, and the processes adjusted. So I think it's, it's, it's a function that, this is a hard industry where you have to graft And, you know, you've got to run fast just to stand still.
0: Good answer. We have almost uh, run out of time, but I would like to just quickly go around the panel um, and ask for final tips and final thoughts. So I'll start with Ian. Um, What would your takeaway and your advice be for somebody listening this afternoon?
4: Yeah, certainly get an understanding of, of, of what your marketing spend is. The only way you're going to do that is by, is by setting up a system where you can collate all information that comes in for emails and calls uh, and um, take, take advantage of all your third-party suppliers now. They all seem to have an API which can give you that data in an easy-to-view easy, easy to view format. Um, and we've certainly found it's come on leaps and bounds in the last few years. And having that API data now, which is even available from OEMs, is uh, is is making the uh, the marketing spend much more efficient. Philip,
2: yeah, very similar to Ian is you've got to understand what the what the cause and effect is. If you're going to spend a penny, what's your expected return? Um, just measure everything, and um, you know whether you're. a a two site um business to a hundred site business it the, the principles still um are the same is just um measure and and track those those calls and those inquiries um uh, through to through to a sale and that will give you a degree of what's working and obviously you only want to do what's working more
0: thank you philip philip deacon thank from marshall uh, motor from group from sam Luscombe, Luscombe Luscombe's. from luscombs
3: uh, for me, it's just based on the fact that the consumer behavior has changed. So now you absolutely need to be where your consumers are. Don't force them into the communication channels that work for you. You have to be where they are and adapt processes to make sure you're there, whether that be WhatsApp, whether that be FaceTime, whatever it needs to be. Be where your consumers are and be ready for them in that in that space.
1: And Phil Jones from eBay Motors Group. Yeah, mine's a piece of advice, really, just to make sure that when you do start engaging with the consumer, you take time to ask them what else would help. They've gone through a really complicated way of getting there. Some people might have just come straight through. Some people have been researching it for six months. Some people saved up their whole lives. Some people are just kind of committing themselves because they think that's the car they should get. Take time. It's a very fast world, very fast moving, lots of um, different information. Just take time with the consumer to make sure you ask them it, again, because I think it will build a deeper level of relationship. Great advice from our panel. Thank you for joining us for part
0: one of Winning and Retaining Customers and Always-On World. Uh, you can, as we mentioned before, uh, access the executive summary um, from the report, uh, which is also available. Uh, and you can find that in the resources section of this webinar. If you have found it useful, please feel free to uh, share the link uh, with colleagues and we look forward to part two when we'll be looking more into brand uh, and external advertising uh, in the always on world. This has been Auto Retail Live. Thank you for taking time for joining us this afternoon and our thanks to Tristan and the team at Auto Retail and our panellists.